Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good evening. If you seem to sense an aura of cool dampness that permeates this room, attribute it not to either defective air conditioning or inclement indoor weather. It's simply because this is rather a special place with a special statuary and special paintings. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Welcome to episode 1066. It is a Sunday. Right next to me is... Kimmy! I got one name. Hi, I am your host, Patrick Riley. I am the villain of the story. And the hero of this story is right next to me. Hello, Kimmy. Hello. Welcome to this Sunday edition of the Riley and Kimmy Show. Why, thank you. Are you all excited and ready to go? I'm ready. Are you rested? Mm-hmm. Good, because you had an extended dog nap before this episode, which is being recorded just before the sun Comes over the horizon mm-hmm. just before sunrise on Sunday, November 27th. Now, the question we have for you, Kimmy, is are you rested up enough to play nerd and pop culture geek trivia? I sure am. And here we go, Kimmy. We're going to put something on the line. We put uh, breakfast on the line for the last one. This one, we're going to put uh, lunch and or dinner, your choice. If you get it right, you get your choice of whichever one. If you get it wrong, you don't get either, but we do have that complimentary can of spam for playing this episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show's Nerd and Pop Culture Geek Trivia. But this is not just any can of spam. This is generic can of spam. Just letting Ooh. you know. Yes, it is bacon flavor for you, or you have a choice to turkey-flavored generic spam in a can. Wow. I know. I know. Our, our Constellation prizes. They are awesome, aren't they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have a feeling you will want to win this episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show. Yeah. Because you don't want that can of generic spam, do you? No. All right. Well, all right. Here, here we go. By the way, one of the uh, one of the fur kids will take the can of spam if you do win. I know. Uh, they they kind of like that generic uh, can of spam. Yeah. Regardless of flavor, whether it's turkey, bacon, or or smoked or whatever. <laughs> Here we go for a Sunday, November twenty seventh. Kimmy, we're going to be asking you some questions. May may not be linear. It could be all over the place in the timeline. Kicking things off, nineteen thirty four. The U.S. bank robber known as George Babyface Nelson was killed by FBI agents near. Barrington, Illinois. It was on this date in 1957. The Crickets LP, The Chirping Crickets, was released. It was on this date. Give me the year. Capitol Records released the Beatles' Magical Mystery Tour in the United States. The album was released in the U.S. What year? 1971? 1967, Kimmy. Oh. Magical Mystery Tour. Moving over you're looking at me like that can't be it is oops that's all right moving over to something else on this uh on this almanac it was on this date in 1970 george harrison released his triple album all things must pass in the united states that must be a rarity more than two discs the triple album oh yeah triple album Mm -hmm. and was it three discs in that triple album yes 
do you have that triple album? No, I don't. Well, then how do you know it's three discs in a triple album? Triple means three. Well, it might be his third album. I know it's the triple album just plain with you here, you know, trying to throw you because I want that can of spam I have right here on the table, right here on the control panel to give to you. It's just ready to have its uh, little key thing pulled back and mm-mm. We, we want to make sure you get that for today. Here we go. It was on this date, 1973, the United States Senate voted to confirm Gerald R. Ford as vice president after the resignation of whom? Richard Nixon. No, after the resignation of Spiro T. Agnew. This is for vice president, I said, not oh. president. Oh. It was on this date, Kimmy. You got, that spam's coming your way. I, I did that. That was a trick question. I, you. I, 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 I want you to have, you, you got a choice, Kimmy, uh, bacon or turkey flavor. Moving over. <laughs> Moving on, you, you can redeem yourself here. It was 1980. Dave Williams of the Chicago Bears became the first player in NFL history to return a kick for touchdown in overtime. It was on this date in 2008. The ocean liner Queen Elizabeth II, otherwise known as QE2, was taken out of service. After more than 30 years, the ship was launched on September 20th, 1967. Moving over to celebrity birthdays, Kimmy. Here's a chance for you to redeem yourself on the Riley and Kimmy Show. This notable, having a birthday today, died at the age of 80, Kimmy, in 1998. He is a creator of a very famous program and merchandising line. Television personality, radio personality before that. I will give you the name. You tell me the TV show, the creation he is known for. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Buffalo, Bob Smith. Um, known for Bozo? Do you would you like to take another guess at that? That is incorrect. Buffalo Howdy Doody. Is that your final yes. answer? You yes. say it is what? Howdy Doody. Say kids, what time is it? <laughs> Well, howdy, Mr. Doody, and boys and girls at home and kids in the gallery, let's go! Restrain yourself, Kimmy. Just hold back. I know you wanted to join in there. That program was way before Kimmy's in my time. I'm kind of surprised she actually knew that one. Yeah. Uh, what do you? You would not have liked to watch that. No. Uh, wh- why not? You you found that a little bit annoying. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that, Kimmy. Uh, yeah, I think we have a little tidbit here today, or a little retro tidbit. You know, if when you're out and about, it's still Black Friday weekend. You know, you need to be friendly to people, right, Kimmy? Uh It helps. Well, here's our howdy-doody tip today on how to greet people when you see them. Matter of fact, this is good not just for Black Friday Sunday. No, this is good for... Matter of fact, kick off the work week with this one. All right, now look, all you boys and girls here in the peanut gallery, when Clarabelle tells you to yell howdy-doody, let me hear you yell it. Howdy-doody, come on. All right, now how about all the boys and girls at home? Let me hear you yell howdy-doody. Let's see. 
That was good. Do you understand that now, kids? Yeah, they not. They do. All right. Now, Howdy's going to sing it. You watch Clarabelle on the cue. And when he says you yell, Howdy, duty, bingo, we let go. Howdy, are you all set? You know all the words? Now, come on. Let's, let's go. And kids, let's sing it good and loud. Now, here we go. Oh, every day you'll meet a friend. But do you know how to greet a friend? Well, if you don't, I'll tell you how. Just yell. Every day you'll see a pal, but do you know how to be a pal? Well, if you don't, I'll tell you how. Just yell. Remember that, Kimmy. There's your little tip when you see people today. Yell howdy doody. Yes, yell howdy doody. That is the tip of the day from the Riley and Kimmy show. Just stand out today when you see somebody, or matter of fact, when you kick off that work week or back to school, back to class, whatever it is, uh, go howdy doody. That'll go over real well, right? Uh-huh. Matter of fact, you know, when you see strangers, maybe just do that, right? Yeah. You know, if you better be nice to me, Kimmy, I'll play that entire howdy doody tidbit song there for you. Mm. It goes on for 10 minutes. Really? No, it does not, but it goes on. It seems like it when you when you <laughs> when you hear it. Now, did you ever watch Howdy Doody or any re you know just rewind kind of things about the Howdy Doody at all, or have any Howdy Doody merchandise? Anything? No, did, no, because no. You, I mean, and this is not to be offensive. You had a far you had far older family members, you know, like I did. Uh, we were sort of like out of time, you and I. Uh, did did anybody have any of that in the household? No. That's interesting. I'm actually surprised that none of that was there because Howdy Doody was huge. It was a you know a merchandising big time success. Buffalo Bob did create Howdy Doody on radio. He was doing the voice and then did a television appearance and it went over so well that they said, hey, let's uh, do the Howdy Doody show and they created the puppet. Now the original puppet was designed by a, g- a guy by the name of Frank Paris, and Frank Paris and Buffalo Bob did not get along at times. Matter of fact, Frank Paris thought that he deserved a lot of money from Howdy Doody and all that kind of stuff. But Buffalo Bob owned the entire rights to Howdy Doody. He voiced Hmm. Howdy Doody. He was Howdy Doody. He created Howdy Doody. And they had some tips. And in the original uh, years, what happened is, uh, well, Mr. Paris would decide to take the puppet right before showtime and leave. (laughs) And so they would fill in. Well, Buffalo Bob got a little sick of that. Uh, The last time, it was just about three hours before airtime. Remember, live television. Yeah. So Mr. Paris decided to do that. Buffalo Bob decided to fire him. And what they did was they decided to have, now this is kind of weird, 1940s, keep in mind, what they decided to do was, Honey Doody was going to have plastic surgery. Oh. So they got a different puppet maker who created the iconic puppet we know today and all the you know imagery and everything. That puppet was created as actually Howdy 2, but most people think it's Howdy 1, but it's not. So they gave, you know, uh, Frank Paris the big Howdy Doody, if you will. (laughs) They gave him the send off to the sunset and they had a new Howdy Doody. Hmm. And he introduced the kids that Howdy had plastic surgery. Now, Buffalo Bob thought that the original Howdy Doody was the ugliest puppet anybody could have created on planet Earth. He thought that thing, even when he first, he thought it was just not great. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of happy. To have Howdy go under plastic surgery and come out with a new Howdy Doody. So duty. the Howdy Doody that we know isn't isn't the Howdy Doody original, and it, that one was 
less cosmetically appealing. It, yes, yes, it, yes. Than the one we know. The nineteen. Now remember, Howdy Doody went on was on the air for a long time, from 1947 to 1960 originally. It was on for a long time. The 1947 series, the first parts of it, had the original. Let's just call him Alpha Howdy. Alpha Howdy was hideous, and Alpha Howdy, according to Buffalo Bob, he didn't even even right out of the box, even before he got in a fight with Frank Paris, he didn't think Howdy was that attractive. So he was even more. Yeah. Wow. And it's hard to believe it's. Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. And uh, if I told you who the original Howdy Doody was actually designed after, though, you would you would find that even it's designed after actually Buffalo Bob's sister. <laughs> <laughs> so that's even worse. So I I don't know if he's saying you know I don't know I don't know if the beta I don't know if that's what we're referring to him Howdy is more like the sister or the alpha I have no idea. But mm. really, the one everyone knows, it's on the lunch boxes and everything, you know, because, you know, Howdy yeah. Doody lunch boxes and stuff. That's actually number two Howdy, not number the one. The more howdy. attractive Howdy. Yes, the cosmetically appealing Howdy, Kimmy. Uh huh. The cosmetically appealing Howdy Doody. So if you. <laughs> makes you just want to watch this show now even more, doesn't it? It makes you want to just, hey, I hope Netflix today has Howdy Doody, Kimmy. Maybe we could just sit there no, and watch that's it. Okay. At, well, you sure now? Yeah. All right, Kimmy. Moving over to <laughs> that. That is our Howdy Doody mem- you know, little moment. Just remember, when you see somebody, what do we wish them, Kimmy? When you see somebody today, what are you going to say? Howdy Doody. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, by the way, to some of the people who are listening to the Riley and Kimmy show, I'm going to throw this one out to one of our good listeners and loyal listeners. That is Todd Merrick. Todd there's your new phrase for when anybody comes into Heroes Landing. Howdy doody. Howdy doody. There, I think that will go over so well and it will attract new customers all the time. It would be Mr. Friendly. Can't you just see him doing that? Yeah. Yeah. I can see him actually pulling that off. He can. Well, moving back to the Almanac today. As Oh, thank you for that salute, Todd. We are number one. Thank you, buddy. You're number one, too. Uh, see, he, he loves us. I know he does. <laughs> moving, on, moving over to the celebrity birthdays. See if you can identify who this person is, Kimmy, and tell me how old this person would be today if he was alive. It's his birthday, okay. but he passed away a number of years ago. Tell me how old he would be today if he was alive. Now your question, Kimmy, is this. Here is your clue, actually. He played Cato alongside Van Williams in the TV series The Green Hornet. Who is he? Bruce Lee. Another challenge for The Green Hornet. His aide, Cato, and their rolling arsenal, The Black Beauty. On police records, a wanted criminal... His dual identity known only to his secretary and to the district attorney. And now, to protect the rights and lives of decent citizens, rides the Green Hornet. Yes, Kimmy is correct. He played Cato on the Green Hornet. Now, the question for you, Kimmy, again, going back to the beginning of the question, how old would Bruce Lee be today if he was alive? How old would he be today? Yes, that was the original question. How old would he be today if he was celebrating his birthday alive today? How old would Bruce Lee be today? Um, you want the year he passed away? 85. He would be 76 years old today. He passed okay. away at the age of 32 in 1973. Mm. Now, extra Bruce Lee question for you. There was a biography, a film... It was a, a loose biography film, <laughs> biographical film, that was made, 
Can you give me the year? Or not that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to give you the year. 1993 was the year. Tell me the name of the movie. Dragon. That's correct. The blue, uh, the Bruce Lee story starring whom? Can you give me just one of the stars in that movie? There, there's three. Um. Either who played Bruce Lee or the love interest or the person who played the uh, TV executive. Um, Holly. Ooh. Got part oh. of it. You got part of it. What was her name? That's yeah. her. That's her last name. Lauren Holly. That's correct. Lauren Holly played the love interest, the wife of Bruce Lee, and Jason Scott Lee played Bruce Lee, no relation, and Robert Wagner played the television executive. That came out May seventh, nineteen ninety three. Have a feeling that does not hold up to the test of time. Just have a a big feeling with that, don't you? Mm-hmm. Moving over to the music section of birthdays. This person no longer with us. Kimmy passed away. May of 1998 had many, many hits, crossover hits. Uh, went from country to also top 40. I have two of his hits right here. We'll give you both of them, brief ones here. Tell me who this is. Here's clue number one. Ooh, I'm driving my life away. Looking for a better way for me. I doubt you need clue number two. Here it is. Who is the person who likes a rainy night, Kimmy? Eddie Rabbit. That's right, Eddie Rabbit. Born on this date in 1941, passed away at the age of 56 in 1998. See if you can identify this musical icon. No longer with us. Here is your audio clue. Uh, this will be so easy for you. All right, put down that lava lamp. Kimmy, who is that birthday person? Jimi Hendrix. That's correct. Jimi Hendrix, born on this date, 1942, passed away in, well, that would be too easy for the next question if I did that. Tell me how old he was when he passed on. 27. That's exactly right. Passed away September 1970. The world's highest paid performer at the time of his death. He headlined the Woodstock Festival in 1969. That was right before his accidental death. See if you can identify who this person is, this notable Kimmy. There was a song written about them. We're going to play just a sniglet of the song. You tell me who the birthday person is, who this song is about, okay? Here is your clue. All right, Kimmy, actually a quite creepy song if you think about it. Tell me who the song is about. Carolyn Kennedy. That is correct. Who recorded that song and made it a hit? Neil Diamond. That's right. And tell me how old Caroline Kennedy is today within five years. Um, I will give you this much of a clue. She is the only surviving child of JFK. The only surviving child. Maybe that might help. 62. She is 59. You got it within five. Yes. 
Neil Diamond recorded that song about her. Mm-hmm. She was quite young when he did. He did not reveal until she was 50 years old that that song was actually about her. He revealed it on her 50th birthday when he performed that. I wonder how that went over behind the scenes. Probably out front. That's okay, but I don't know if anybody went, hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know about that one. All right, can we see if you can identify this notable TV person having a birthday today? Tell me how old she is. She is known for her role in Head of the Class TV series. That series was on for, well, five years. You might not know her for that part, but you know her because of her first marriage. She was married to boxer Mike Tyson in 1988 and divorced in 1989. Can you tell me who that actress is? Robin Givens. That's right. How old is Robin Givens today? Oh, 50. That's close enough. She is 52. Okay. The next birthday person, Kimmy. I don't think you'll be able to tell me the actor's name, but you sure know the iconic character he played. I will give you this much of a clue. He's an American actor, voice actor, producer, and screenwriter. In 1989, he was cast for just one episode of a TV series. One episode. He was just supposed to walk on, do a couple of things, and walk off and never be back and would be forgotten. And he went over so well with audiences that basically the show became his. Here is your audio clue if that hasn't already tipped you off. I don't think you can tell me who he is. If you can, that's really cool. At least tell me how old he is. Here is your audio clue. I do that. Kimmy, tell me the name of that classy character. Oh, that's... um. Think glasses, suspenders. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Glasses and suspenders. I do that. You, you've seen the action figures, like really big in talks. And mm-hmm. It says that, and you'll see it at some collectible shows from time to time. Yep. Yes. Yeah, oh, me. yeah, I can see him. I'm just trying to think of his name. Can you think of the TV show, which I don't think you can? It was not called his name. A lot of yeah. people say, eh, it was that show. I loved it. But no, that was Urkel. That's correct. Urkel's the name of the character that he played. The TV show was called Family Matters. That was the name of the TV show. Yeah, I never would have gotten that. Yeah, it ran for nine seasons from 1989 to 1997 on ABC and from 1997 to 1998 on CBS. It actually flipped over. Hmm. That's one of the rare shows that actually went from one network to the other. And he, you know, became the star. That's Jaleel White, who is celebrating a birthday. He's also the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog in animation. Can you tell me how old he is today? Within five. 48? He is 40 today. I think he appeared in uh, Orlando at a uh, convention in the last five years. I can't remember quite well. Really? Yeah, I think he did. I'm not 100% on that. I think he did. I think within the last five years. Matter of fact, it might have been that same convention that's coming up here. Uh, oh. This, this next. I think they had him, and I'm not... A hundred percent on that. <laughs> Next thing we're moving to, Kimmy, you know, because we've uh, we've covered this part of the almanac, we go to the other part of the almanac, and it is... I see dead people. As we move to that section, deaths on this date in history. I This is really tough. This is going to be a tough one on you. I don't know if you can identify this is. I got two clues. I got an audio clue, and I'll give you an extra clue for you in case, because I really don't want you to have that can of spam. See if you can identify who this person is. They passed away at the age of 82 in 1988. They are one of the most prolific actors in film television history. Now, I have talked about this person with another director and actor recently. That name was mentioned 
when he and I talked in an interview. That's one clue. I'm going to give you three. Here's an audio clue, Kimmy. It is very brief. Listen carefully. Drop the stick from your hand. Drop it. Or that. I will do whatever you wish. He played one of the Draculas in the classic Universal horror films, Kimmy. He is considered one of the thinner Draculas. And because, you know, he, he looked very thin, like he needed to, you know, go out and get to a blood bank quickly. He also did a lot of Shakespeare. His son, this is your other clue, would play in a certain martial arts kind of Western TV show in the 1970s. That is your secondary clue. Can you tell me who this iconic actor who did over 200 movies, over 200 films? David Carradine. That is the son. Can you tell me the father? The person John Carradine. That's correct. John Carradine having a birthday. Did they ever act together? There's a trivia question here for you. It's did they ever did they ever show up on television together? Uh yeah. Yes, they did. On Kung Fu. They actually did an episode together on Kung Fu. Okay. And you can catch John Carradine on like Twilight Zone and some other Alfred Hitchcock things and various other uh, performances. Fantastic uh, actor. Matter of fact, he was referred to as the voice because of his read. Had a fantastic read. And legend has it, he loved Shakespeare so much, he would walk down the streets of like Hollywood and start reciting Shakespeare. He denies he did that, but there's many, many people who claim that he did. So I think he probably did. He was quite eccentric there. Hmm. Uh, be a cool cat to have talked to. Go back mm-hmm. in time, I think. That's John Carradine, who passed away on this date in 1988. Kimmy, I think you have your lunch or breakfast, or uh, breakfast, your lunch or dinner of your choice. Uh, we'll put the can of spams away for now, okay? Okay. And I think we'll go back in time here and honor some things from the Almanac today. Radio Watch So Riley and Kimmy show going back in time right now to the golden age of radio. And since it is a holiday season, still shopping day, I thought we'd give you something to uh, pass some time with. If you just happen to be standing in line or just uh, traveling from place to place or point to point or just uh, you know at home or wherever, relaxing. We have a episode that is Christmas oriented. It is The Saint starring Vincent Price and it's called 19 Santa Clauses. That will kick off our old-time radio set, because we have something that will go right into that uninterrupted, and that is a tribute to John Carradine, or in honor of John Carradine. We have a old-time radio portrayal or performance he did of Woodrow Wilson. It's called The Story of Woodrow Wilson. We have those both back-to-back uninterrupted. If you enjoy what you hear, be sure to tell your friends that we occasionally play old-time radio, the golden age of radio, and you can find archived episodes of those and also of our show and interviews and videos and photos all available on our website. And what is our web address, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com. Kicking off the old-time radio episodes with 19 Santa Clauses. Here's Vincent Price as the saint from 1947 on the Riley and Kimmy Show. The 
Adventures of the Saint, starring Vincent Price. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris and known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. The Robin Hood of modern crime now comes transcribed to radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor Vincent Price as... The Saint. Come in. Hi, Mr. Templeton. Oh, hello, Louie. Where are you? I'm in my room. I'll be ready oh. in a minute. Hey, wait till you see my cat. I gave it a bath for Christmas. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Look, I don't want to rush you, but if you don't hurry, Christmas Eve is going to be already Christmas morning. And what will all them tots think? Oh, them tots will be singularly fortunate. However, all I have to do now is get my whiskers on. There. <laughs> How do I look? Mr. Templer, if I didn't know you was Mr. Templer, yeah. I wouldn't know who you were. Hmm. Louie, don't I look like Santa Claus? This may come as a surprise to you, Mr. Templer. Santa Claus is fat. Oh, you're not fat. Oh, well, hand me that cushion from the couch, huh? Okay. Here. Ah, thank you. Now then. How's that? Now say ho, ho, ho. What for? Santa Claus is always say ho, ho, ho. Oh, I see. Uh, uh, ho, ho, ho. Well, anyway, you look like Santa Claus. Hey, Mr. Templer, whose idea was this? Uh, Mrs. Winterbottom's. Oh, the dame who annoys tots on Christmas Eve. Mrs. Huh? Winterbottom is a very well-known philanthropist. And every Christmas Eve, she collects hundreds of small children and feeds them. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. Who feeds them the rest of the year? Don't be bitter, Louie. Sorry. At least I ought to give the little tots a, a laugh. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose there is something to be said for Mrs. Winterbottom. Don't say it now. Don't worry. There's something to be said for Santa Claus, too. He does go around filling stockings. Yeah, I know a blonde. Shouldn't say that either, huh? No. Hmm. Someone at the door. Louis, would you mind? No. Uh, it's probably one of them tots. Correction. It's a tot 20 years later. Get in. I'm already in. Back up. I'm backing up. Thanks. Now, reach, gents. Hey, you know, that gun in her hand looks loaded. Now that you mention Reach. For what? Uh, the chandelier. I can't. Why not? No chandelier. Oh, a wise guy, huh? If you're going to shoot me, I insist on knowing your name. Uh, just call me Sally. Sally. And uh, your last name? Never mind that. How would you like to get plugged in the... in the... Bread basket? Where? Oh, let's pass lightly over that. I wouldn't like to get plugged anywhere. Then shut up. All right. Where is it? Uh, right down the hall. Are you trying to be smart? Not especially. So it's going to be like that, huh? Like what? Now you listen to me, Fats Boylan. Huh? You shut up, too. I didn't say anything. Well, shut up anyway. I'm shutting up. Uh, what was I saying? You just finished calling me Fats Boylan. Uh, that's right. That's wrong. I'm not Fats Boylan. Ha. Huh. Well, it helps keep the conversation Look, going. Look, Fats, are you going to stop stalling and hand over the stuff, or will I have to shoot? Uh, since I am not Fats Boylan, and since I have no stuff to hand over, I'm afraid you'll have to shoot. Mr. Templer, that could be fatal. You keep quiet, punk. Who's a punk? You're a punk. Mr. Templer, am I a punk? Well, Sally is just a little confused this evening, Confused Louie. or not, she shouldn't call oh, me a... shut up! Oh. You know, you don't have to start bawling. I am not... Bawling, I, I... Uh... You were just about to shoot me. Well, I know, but then you'd bleed. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I can't stand the sight of blood. Why don't you strangle him? Louie, don't be unkind. Oh, it seems to be the doorbell again. No, wait. 
Very impolite to keep people waiting. But I, I must have been followed here. Sally, look, stop illustrating a point with that gun. It might go off. I don't care. But then I'd bleed. But where can I go? I've got to hide. Well, try the kitchen. All right. Well, come on in. It's open house tonight. Well, well, my old pal, Fat I am not. Boylan. Although I'm beginning to waver. Perhaps I am. <laughs> Simon, the split personality. Who are you? Well, Joe Hudson. You remember your old pal, Hudson. Hudson. Hmm. Well, I must admit you look like a hornet, but your lines aren't as nice. Look, if I'm your old pal, why don't I know you? Oh, that's easy. We never met personally. Well, how else can you meet? Ignore that. But if we haven't met personally or otherwise, how can I be your pal? Oh, I, I was just being friendly. <laughs> Besides... Hey, you got something for me. I have? Uh, oh, great little kidder, ain't you, Fats? <laughs> ain't he, pal? Now I feel better. I'm a pal, too. Look, I wish I deserved your delighted choice. Uh, look, but... just leave me have the stuff, and then I'll get... Stuff again. What stuff? Am I going to have trouble with you? Uh, the door behind you is open. Why don't you use it, huh? In that way, nobody will have any trouble. I'll use it. I'll use it after. After what? Such like that, huh? Ever see one of these before? I'm afraid I'm going to disappoint you, but the answer is yes, I have. Good, good. Then you know how it works. It shoots bullets at guys. Guys who get bullet shot at them have a habit of dying. Really? Well, then perhaps you'd better not shoot that gun at me. I won't. So give me. So I ain't got. Well, that is I. That is you ain't got. <laughs> Thanks, Louis. Basic, I ain't a patient man. Hand the stuff over or I... I don't have any stuff. Or you get shot. I bleed. Who cares? I do. <laughs> I hoped you might. However, this could be a stall. This could be trouble, so you... You can't shoot him. Why not? It's against the law. I read it in the papers. It's against the law. Yeah, yeah, I believe you. Oh, well, so that's okay. Yeah, but I like doing things against the law. Oh, well, you you, you could go to jail. I already been there. Well, for shooting somebody, they'll hang you or something. If somebody told them. Well, I would. You would, huh? Uh, I would. So maybe I'd better shoot you first. Well, I, I wouldn't want to deprive Mr. Templer of the privilege. I, well, Fats, it's your last chance. Oh, not that phrase. Also, I still don't so know... So it looks like I'm going to break a law. Hey, who did that? You did, you dope. I did not. This here's a plan. But you won't get away with it. <sighs> Goodbye, Mr. Hudson. Mr. Templer, who made with the artillery? It must have been Sally. She's in the kitchen. She can stay there. She saved our lives, Louis. Yeah, but maybe by now she's found out she likes to shoot guns. Let's hope not. Uh, hello. It was nice of you to frighten Mr. Hudson off. I did? You did. I, I didn't hit anybody? No. Oh, I'm so glad. Hey, hey I, I, I've got her. She's out cold. <laughs> Come on, I'll put her on the couch. Come on. A little late, but somebody ought to mention she is not a bad-looking dish. You've mentioned it. Hmm. Looking for smelling salts in her bag? No. Identification. Huh. Here's a driver's license. Her name is Sally Walters. Address, 49 Arden Drive. Yeah. Social security card. She's a secretary. That's what I need. Oh, take it back. She's coming, too. Better put the bag back. Yeah, but keep the gun, though. There's still some bullets in it. No. We don't want her to know we went through her bag. We're ashamed of ourselves? We're going to pay her a visit. She ain't home. But she will be after she leaves here, and then perhaps we can find out what keeps the uh, home fires burning. 
Sally was in kind of a hurry leaving us. So she was. Mr. Templer, don't look right Santa Claus chasing a blonde. Uh, I'm not chasing her. Technicalities will get you no place. Hey, this must be it. 49. What is she a secretary of? The Treasury? I suspect this is where she works, Louie. She works overtime, huh? Yeah, and probably sleeps in. Come on. I hope that nobody is peeking because they'll think Santa Claus is off schedule. I think perhaps I can manage without the whiskers. Yeah. Ouch! Now you look like an imposter. Yeah. Will you ring, Louie? Okay. You know, this is the type house. I got a feeling Santa Claus would have to use the servant's entrance. Uh, <clears throat> yes. I'm Simon Templer. You are? I am. There's nothing I can do about it. Mm, Mr. Templer, all butlers are like him? I doubt it. I think he's been practicing. Haw. Haw. Well, good night, then. I think not. Would you mind removing your shoe from the door? I would. You might at least have shined it. Humphrey, whoever is it at this time of night? No one, madam. Oh, but such an interesting-looking no one. Santa Claus, you've lost your whiskers. <laughs> I haven't there, right here in my pocket. How nice. Actually, my name is Simon Templer. I'm Carla Worth. Uh, this is Louie. Hi. Oh, I, I mean... Hi. Be hmm, kind to the peasant's type. Uh, did you want to see me? Uh, now that I've seen you, uh, yes. Well, come in, then. <laughs> Thank you. But, madam... Humphrey, go away. Yes, madam. Humphrey's such a problem sometimes. Shall we? Hmm. in the fireplace, books on the bookshelves, port in that decanter. Yes, would you like some? Uh, no, thank you. I just wanted to be sure the accessories were all correct. Someday, maybe I'll find some other wine besides port in the decanter. I dream. Simon, are you the one who found them? It's beginning again. Found what? My jewels, of course. Have they been lost? Simon, they were stolen. You know that, don't you? Should I? I've heard of the saint, Simon. I didn't know he was also a Santa Claus. Oh, it's a fleeting impulse. Uh, when were your jewels stolen? This afternoon. You see, Claude, my husband, that is, oh. bought me them for Christmas. <laughs> Santa Claude. Louis. Sorry. We decided to have the party this afternoon. We thought it'd be nice to have a quiet eve, so we did. The jewels were in quite a large box. There were quite a lot of them. And? Claude had hired a Santa Claus, but before the party was over, Santa Claus had disappeared. So had the jewels. Well, there must have been some precautions. Oh, there were several detectives. Oh. But the Santa Claus said he was going out to get some air while the party was on. He never came back. But he didn't have the jewels on him. The box was locked and it was too large for the detectives not to have noticed. I see. The name of the man hired to play Santa Claus was, of course, uh... Fats Portland. And who may you be? Claude, this is Simon Templer. And Louis. I know neither of them. Snoops, obviously. Get rid of them. Claude likes to behave as though he were an emperor on occasion. The box wasn't found anywhere in the house? The jewel box, no. The jewels were insured? Naturally. It's none of your affair. I shall speak severely to Humphrey. He should never have let you in. I let them in, darling. So now he's going to speak severely to her? Uh, we'll go quietly, except... Uh, Mr. Worth, what is Fats Boylan's address? I have no idea. Good night. Good night, Simon, and I'm sorry. So am I. I'll show you out. Thank you. Whoa, 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 whoa. Pronounced Carla Worth. Yeah. What do we do now, Santa Claus? Eh, we get into your nice, clean cab and... 
Hey, wait a minute, Zoe. Hmm. Now we're going to find out what became of Sally. Simon. Well, good evening, Sally. I overheard. Fat's address is 17 Beale Street. 17 Beale. Yes, I've got to get right back to the house before anybody notices. Goodbye. An awful short visit. You've been long enough. Now we're going to visit Mr. Boyle? I think so. I hope he ain't so handy with a gun as the rest of his characters. Maybe he may not be. Now I'm all cheered up. Hmm, but there's one thing I'm sure he isn't. What's that? Fat. Quite a change from the weights dump. Now this is a dump. Yeah, Mr. Boylan would seem to be shy. Mr. Templer, you said something about the one thing he wouldn't be was fat. Why, because he was called Fats? Mm, not exactly. Louis, I'm worried. Mm-hmm. Hey. Hey, the door was open. Yes. Maybe that means our boy has flown? Maybe. Come on, let's go in. Okay. I ain't usually so poetical, but uh, the light's on. Yes. And the room looks funny. Looks like a, a hurricane came to stay for dinner. Mm, and remained for six months. Somebody was looking for a, a jewel box? And someone obviously didn't find it. The extent of the search indicates that. Nothing was left untouched. It's a funny smell in this room, you know. A couple of funny smells. Yeah. One's perfume and the other... Gunpowder. Huh? Gunpowder. That's why I ain't been looking behind any pieces of furniture. Well, it really wasn't very far to look, Louie. Huh? He's behind the daybed. Fats? Fats, Louie. He, uh, he ain't doing so good? He's dead. Uh, and Louie... Yeah? He wasn't fat. Mr. Templer? Yes, Louie? We're being followed. Since... Since uh, we got out of Boylan's place. That's interesting. Louis, stop the cab. That'll make it easier for whoever's following us. Exactly what I want. Even on Christmas Eve, this shouldn't happen. Now what? Uh, we get out. Don't look behind you. Start walking. Yeah. This here is a nice, lonely street. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is home hanging up stockings. I wouldn't mind hanging up stockings myself. I, I, I... Who do you think it is? I think it's our friend Hudson. Oh, I just lost five pounds. You mean the guy that was chasing Sally who was all ready to shoot us until she made the explosion? Neat reminder. Oh, you think he wants our money or our life? Possibly. What kind of an answer is that? In here. Quickly. Here. Mr. Templer, this here alley is full of garbage cans. Also dark. You don't have to see garbage cans to know they're around. Hudson? Yes. Good evening, Hudson. Huh? Don't turn around. I've got a gun on you. Hey, I don't like it. Louie, take Mr. Hudson's gun away from him. Okay. Got it, Mr. Templer. Good. Aim it at him. Hey, now, wait a minute. You can't shoot me with my own gun. Why not? That ain't tactful. Uh, what other gun could I shoot you with? Your own. Hey, you mean you ain't got a... Oh, mister, you are a liar. And on Christmas Eve, too. Hudson, who hired you to follow Sally and me? Uh, uh that was my own idea. Uh, Louie, hmm? Mr. Hudson isn't being friendly. He ain't, huh? Mm, he ain't. Therefore... Hey, hey you know, don't, don't lose your heads, fellas. We've lost patience with him, Louie. We have? Mm, shoot him, Louie. He's beginning to bore me. He's beginning to... I, sh... I, I should shoot him? Yes. Fatal? Fatal. Okay. 
Except I don't know what my wife and six kids are going to say. You haven't got a wife and six kids. No, 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 wait a minute, please. Louis, we're being cruel, prolonging Mr. Hudson's agony. Put him out of it. Now, wait a minute. I, I, I'll... Who hired you? Uh, Mrs. Worth. Mrs. Carla Worth. You quite sure? Strike me dead. If, uh, that is, don't strike me dead. Look, look, if she didn't, what I say, why would I say she did? You have a point there. But uh, why should she have wanted you to follow Sally? Well, she had an idea. Her husband and Sally were kind of, uh, you know, uh, kind of uh, decorating their own little tree together. I couldn't put it more tactful. I see. So if you got enough divorce evidence, Mrs. Worth could hold up her husband for plenty of alimony. No. No. Oh, Mrs. Worth is the babe with the dough. Mr. Worth is a very well-educated bum. Indeed. It's interesting. Uh, Louis, let me have the guns. Yeah, here. Uh, wait, I, I, I just told you the truth. I'm sure you did. No. Mr. Templer, that's gratitude? It's necessity. Oh. We need him out of the way for a little while. He's out of the way. Now, uh... Yeah? Now we're going to find out who else knew that Fats Boylan was thin. <laughs> We visited often enough, I might even get accustomed to this joint. Mm, you might also start confusing yourself with Grant. <clears throat> uh, good evening, Humphrey. I'm sorry the family retired for the night. Well, it is late, I know. I wish to retire myself. Why, Humphrey, you don't look 65. Good night, sir. Aren't you going to ask us in? No. Why, Humphrey, I thought you and I were going to sing Christmas carols together. Let go of me. Shut the door, Louis. Okay. I shall complete. All uh, right, but not now. You... Mr. Templer, I'm going to wear that gun out hitting people over the head with it. And I couldn't have him warn anyone we're here. Why, we're going to burgle the joint? In a way. Huh? And a kinder description would be search the place, Louis. Oh, for what? Oddly enough, something that can't be seen or touched. Sounds like a ghost. Yes, and in a way it is. The ghost of a murderer. It's the night before Christmas, all right, but a creature is stirring. A couple of creatures, us. Yeah, we've covered all the rooms on the other landing. Therefore, the bedroom should be here. And therefore, this should be someone's bedroom. Let's go in. We're sleeping? Now, if I can open the door softly enough and look in. Mm-hmm. Moonlight through the window. Yes. The dressing room. Door beyond would be the bedroom proper. Proper is not a word we're in any position to throw around. Yeah, we'll have to go in to the dressing room. Come on, Louis. Okay. I don't usually take breathing exercises in the middle of the night. Louis. All right. I'm inhaling. Well? Perfume. Mm-hmm. Familiar? I could learn to love it, but no. Mm. Well, then out we go. You didn't care for that perfume. It didn't tell me anything. What do you want perfume should tell you? Who killed Fats Boylan? <laughs> the bedroom. We go in? Naturally. <laughs> For a bachelor, that ain't the word you should have used. 
I'm beginning to get worried about this. Supposing somebody screams. Pull yourself together, Louis. Okay. After all, like the poet says, strong heart never won fair maiden. You mean faint heart. All right, so for dinner I'll eat dog food. Now. Mm-hmm. Another dressing room. Well. Hey, Mr. Templer. Yes. The same perfume we noticed. Uh-oh, don't be frightened. Simon, what are you doing in here? Louie and I have been testing perfume. It's the middle of the night. You're waking me. I'm sorry. I'm even sorrier about something else. What's that? The perfume you use is very distinctive, Sally. I supposed to say thanks? No. Because the last place Louie and I noticed it was in Fats Boylan's room. Minutes after he'd been killed. Oh. Not good, Sally. You're, you're making all this up. Or... No, no. This bottle of perfume will be evidence. But I didn't kill Boylan. You must be joking about that. I don't think a jury would find it funny. You knew about Boylan stealing the jewels. You must have helped him. I, I didn't. But then you found yourself being trailed by Hudson, who'd been hired by Mrs. Worth. You were afraid he'd discover the connection between you and Boylan. That's why you came to my apartment. No. Oh, yes. You hoped I'd throw Hudson off, perhaps frighten him. In the meanwhile, you could get to Boylan, get the jewels from him. That isn't true. But when you got to Boylan's place, you found him already dead. And the jewels gone. I didn't. It would be much better for you that way. What do you mean? You wouldn't be liable to a first-degree murder charge. But there were detectives here while the party was going on. Boylan couldn't have stolen the jewels. They saw him leave. He didn't have them. He did have them. He was playing Santa Claus. And he was a thin man. Santa Clauses, as Louis pointed out to me earlier tonight, are fat. Therefore, Boylan entered this house wearing padding underneath his costume. He left it with a large jewel box in place of the padding. That's how he did it, Sally. You're smart. Hmm. You found Boylan. You knew his address. Therefore, you'd hired him in the first place. And therefore, also, a jury would believe you'd killed him unless you tell us who did Oh, all right. I'll tell There's you... There's really no need, my dear. Oh, Claude. Hey, Mr. Templer, tell him to point the gun someplace Mr. else. Mr. Worth, point that gun someplace else. I prefer this direction. You were saying, Mr. Templer, about the jewels. The jewels were insured. Therefore, you, Mr. Worth, arranged to have them stolen. Indeed. Indeed. In that way, you could retain the jewels, the insurance money as well, and not worry very much whether or not your wife divorced you. Clever. Boylan is dead. How true. You had to see to that, didn't you? Otherwise, he might have blackmailed you for the rest of your life or for whatever money you got out of the entire crooked deal. I can see two other deaths. Yours, your friend. And Sally? You going to kill her, too? That depends, I should think, on Sally. Claude, I never knew you intended to, to kill anyone. There's no need to play the ingenue quite so strenuously, my dear. You were in on most of it. But not murder. Hmm. I'm afraid Mr. Templer's pessimism is justified. I shall have to include you. But however did you get on to her, Templar? Her perfume. To be precise, this perfume. Well, you got him in the eye. Yeah, I hope this gets him someplace more effective. <laughs> Mr. Templar, the trail of unconscious bodies you're leaving behind you tonight, if laid end to end, yes, would look terrible. <laughs> Yes, Carla? You've been very sweet. Even without your whiskers, you've been sort of a, a Santa Claus to me. <laughs> May I? Oh, with pleasure. Well, 
I never knew Santa Claus could kiss like that. Santa Claus is no saint. Yes? Oh. <laughs> um, uh, hello, Louie. Mr. Templer, you better put on your whiskers. You've forgotten all about Mrs. Winterbottom? Mrs. Winterbottom. Oh. oh, well, the hour is past midnight. The tots have undoubtedly totted off to bed by now. Louie, you may tell Mrs. Winterbottom. I know. <laughs> That the saint ain't no Santa Claus. You have been listening to another transcribed adventure of The Saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. Now, here is our star, Vincent Price. Ladies and gentlemen, all of us who live in the United States are aware of the spiritual values of American life, our factories and machines and luxuries. But there is another side to American life, a side made up of spiritual values. Our country was founded upon faith in God. In the Declaration of Independence, it states that men were endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Thus, religious faith is part of the very foundation of American democracy. And one of our most precious national heritages is freedom of worship. By exercising this freedom, you and your families can enjoy the spiritual pleasures that come with church or synagogue attendance. Moreover, your religious leaders stand ready to give you their help, whether you need personal or family guidance. And if you suffer the loneliness natural to a newcomer to this country, the churches of your faith will welcome you. We all know that without spiritual values, the other advantages of American life have little meaning. Without faith, the family and the community become unstable. Without faith, the individual denies himself the peace and guidance of religion. The doors of your churches and synagogues are open to you. The freedom to worship as you please is yours. And so America's religious organizations invite you to find yourself through faith and to come to church this week. And may I wish you all a wonderful Christmas and for the world, peace in all the years to come. This is Vincent Price inviting you to join us again next week at this same time for another exciting adventure of the saint. Good night. This adventure of The Saint was written by Louis Vitti. Our cast included Mary Shipp as Sally and Betty Lou Gerson as Carla. High Everback was Hudson, Ted Osborne, Claude. The butler, Stanley Farrar. Louis is played by Larry Dotkin. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris, is a James L. Safier production and is directed by Helen Mack. Vincent Price is soon to be seen co-starring in RKO's production of His Kind of Woman. All you Saint fans will be glad to know that the Saint comic books are on sale at all newsstands. Your announcer, Don Stanley. Great Americans, 
with John Carradine as Woodrow Wilson, a series of programs designed to bring you the stories of men and women who dedicated their lives to the principles set down by America's founders that all men are created equal. Today, in memoriam, Thomas Woodrow Wilson, 28th President of the United States, born 1856, died 1924. He spoke for all men, and he said to all men, You are our brothers, and we invite you into the comradeship of liberty. And in 1945, two decades after his death, a great monument was built to the memory of Woodrow Wilson, a monument more imperishable than bronze or stone, for it was cut with the sharp instruments of war and forged in the ideals of a new brotherhood of man. San Francisco, June 1945. We, the peoples of the United Nations, determined... To save succeeding generations from the scourge of war, which twice in our lifetime has brought untold sorrow to mankind. And to reaffirm faith in fundamental human rights, in the dignity and worth of the human person, in the equal rights of men and women and of nations large and small. And to establish conditions under which justice and respect for the obligations arising from treaties and other sources of international law can be maintained. And to promote social progress and better standards of life in larger freedom. And for these ends, to practice tolerance and live together in peace with one another as good neighbors. And to unite our strength to maintain international peace and security... Accordingly, our respective governments, through representatives assembled in the city of San Francisco, have agreed to the present charter of the United Nations and do hereby establish an international organization to be known as the United Nations. The monument is built at last, Woodrow Wilson. It stands strong and firm. Its columns straddled far across the horizons of Earth and its foundations dug deep in the hearts of all nations. The people can be proud, Woodrow Wilson. The monument to peace is bought and paid for. But our pride is filtered with shame, for the cost was great. The white crosses and the six-pointed stars of David mark the Earth of the world from Cherbourg to Chungking from Atu to Okinawa. And the tears of 300,000 wives and mothers give the words new meaning. The War Department regrets to inform you that your son, John Smith, was killed in action. The cost was great, as Woodrow Wilson knew it would be, when in 1919 he said... If the covenant of the League of Nations should ever in any important respect be impaired, I would feel like asking the Secretary of War to get the boys who went across the water to fight, together on some field where I could go and see them. And I would stand up before them and say, Boys, I told you before you went across the seas that this was a war against wars. And I did my best to fulfill the promise. But I am obliged to come to you in mortification and shame. 
and say I have not been able to fulfill the promise. You are betrayed. You fought for something you did not get. And the glory of the armies and navies of the United States is gone like a dream in the night. And there ensues upon it, in the suitable darkness of the night, the nightmare of dread which lay upon the nations before this war came. And there will come some time, in the vengeful providence of God, another struggle in which not a few hundred thousand fine men from America will have to die, but as many millions as are necessary to accomplish the final freedom of the peoples of the world. The words of Woodrow Wilson, uttered in the year of the last victory that Wilson knew was only part victory, those words are not forgotten. against the peace had started a campaign that was to last for 23 years. And as Woodrow Wilson joined the peacemakers in Paris, the voices of narrow greed, of party politics, of intolerance, were raised to fever pitch. True, their voices were small and few. But then, as now, their whispers were amplified to raucous shouts through the megaphones of the demagogues. The Ku Klux Klan goes on record as opposed to Woodrow Wilson's plot against Christianity, which he chooses to call the League of Nations. The Christian defenders of America call for the impeachment of Woodrow Wilson. And the plotters against the peace found leaders in the Congress, too. Gentlemen, for the first time since the founding of this republic... The President of the United States has sailed from our shores to meddle in matters outside the interests of America. In his hands, Mr. Wilson clutches a document which he chooses to call the 14 Points. Oh, gentlemen, no man loves peace more than I. But the 14 parts of Woodrow Wilson erases our great traditions forever. So I say to you, while the president has gone off to look after the affairs of the world, let's be grateful for the chance he's given us to save America first. And in Paris, these loud, frenzied voices were heard. And finally, across the peace table, the question was thrown. Monsieur le Président, 
You will pardon what I am about to say, but you have come here with fine ideals. The 14 points, the League of Nations. These are a great dream. But, Monsieur le Président, how can we agree to these things when even the people of your own country oppose them? Monsieur Clemenceau, I am the elected leader of a democracy. I do not speak to the people. I speak for them. In my country, there are many voices that speak not for the majority of people, but for a minority that spews hatred and greed. Often they are loud, loud enough to be heard at this very table. But loud as they are, they do not speak for the majority, Monsieur Clemenceau. Monsieur le Président... Monsieur, those voices are as raucous in your country as in mine. But there is another voice, too, stronger than all these. There is a great voice of humanity abroad in the world just now, which he who cannot hear is deaf. There is a great clamor of the common conscience now in existence, which, if any statesman resists, will gain for him the unenviable opprobrium of history. In our work here at this peace table, we are not obeying the mandate of party or politics. We are obeying the mandate of humanity. Wilson spoke for the people, but it is to our shame that the people did not speak for him. The future of mankind depends more upon the relations of nations to one another, more upon the realization of the common brotherhood of mankind, than upon the separate and selfish development of national systems of law. God grant that there may be men who see this future, this hope, and that the plain men everywhere may know that there is no language of society in which he has no brothers, in order to reach the great ends of equity and of high justice. Wilson offered the world more than feeble hopes and ideals. He had a plan, a blueprint for the future. Today, much of that plan still echoes in the ears of mankind. I call for open covenants of peace, openly arrived at, after which there shall be no private international understandings of any kind. But diplomacy shall always proceed frankly and in the public view. And in 1918, there were those who answered, Open covenants of peace? Tommy Rot. There have always been wars, and there always will be wars. America can live alone. Let other nations do what they please. Come fire or high water, we'll take care of ourselves. And other nations did do as they pleased. And on a December day in 1941, an elderly woman who fully agreed that Americans could live alone was killed instantly by a bomb dropped from an unidentified plane. Her home was located two miles from Pearl Harbor and a number of thousands of miles from Tokyo. San Francisco, June 1945. We, the peoples of the United Nations, determined to save succeeding generations from the scourge of war, 
Costa Rica, over Czechoslovakia, Denmark, Dominican Republic, Ecuador, Egypt, El Salvador, Ethiopia. The monument is being built, Woodrow Wilson. The cost is great, but the people are building it at last, as you knew they would. And lest it be destroyed, the people are standing guard. For we know now, as you always did, that the fortresses of liberty rise slowly and surely. That liberty is a thing of universal cooperation. And that liberty is rooted and grounded in the character of the people. This is not a day of triumph. It is a day of dedication. Here, then, let us muster... But the forces of men's hearts wait upon us. Men's lives hang in the balance. Men's hopes call upon us to say what we will do. Who shall live up to the great trust? Who dares fail to try? I summon all honest men, all patriots, all forward-looking men to my side. God helping me, I will not fail them. If they will but counsel and sustain me. We hear the challenge, Woodrow Wilson. This time we will not fail. We dare not fail. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow The Riley and Kimmy Show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy Show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.